Mildred Hill and Patty Hill were two sisters, and they were school teachers in Kentucky in the 1800s. And Mildred, on June 27, 1859, composed a song that would eventually become known as the Happy Birthday Song. Now, her sister, Patty, helped her with the lyrics, and she published this song in 1893. They called it Good Morning to All in the books first. And these stories were published in kindergarten classrooms first as a greeting that teachers could sing to their students. And they translated that into French and German and Spanish and Chinese and Japanese and Sweden. And it had over 20 editions. And then it grew into the Happy Birthday to You song. So why am I talking about the Happy Birthday to You song? Well, because the Stephen Thompson Experience is celebrating its birthday. The show, this show is four years old today. So for four years, I've been putting up podcasts. So today, I wanted to try something new. Something new. There are benefits to trying new things. Catherine Papp who is a neuropsychologist and an instructor of neurology at Harvard Medical School said that cognitive and social engagement have been shown to be protective against cognitive decline. Hearing loss, depression, and social isolation are associated with cognitive decline. But you can battle against cognitive decline decline by doing something new, by creating new neural pathways. When you do something new, you're challenging your brain to learn new things. And when you're challenging your brain to learn, you're firing off all kinds of neurons and you have neuroplasticity and you begin to grow. So what am I going to try new today? Well, humor. Mark Twain said this, humor is mankind's greatest blessing. Now, currently I'm reading a book called Humor Seriously, Why Humor is a Secret Weapon in Business and Life by Jennifer Acker and Naomi Bagonas. Now, they teach a course at Stanford School of Business called Humor, Serious Business at Work. And what they found in studies that corporate executives, 98% of them prefer employees with a sense of humor. And 84% of executives believe that employees who have a sense of humor do better work. And in fact, in this class, they teach stand-up comedy. They believe that stand-up comedy is a skill that you can learn and not something that you are born with. So in the spirit of neurology and more productive work life, I'm going to attempt some stand-up comedy. Now, I want to give credit to Jerry Corley, who has a YouTube channel. And he had a video called How to Write a Joke Like Chris Rock. And I'm going to give credit to Chris Rock because I find Chris Rock extremely funny. So here is my attempt. In the spirit of neurology and humor, here are two small sketches. Chicken wings and strippers and number one and number two. Here is my attempt. It may work. It may not work. I hope you laugh. I hope you find it funny. But if not, I'll be back next week with something that is serious. Here we go. Well, you know what? I love sports and I watch everything. I watch baseball. I watch basketball, football. I watch Premier League soccer, Champions League soccer. But you know what I hear a lot about lately? 
is athletes and strippers. And then I hear about athletes, strippers, and chicken wings. And it seems to me that for some reason, the best place for athletes to get chicken wings is at a strip club. I even heard about a basketball player who had to quarantine for COVID because he broke the protocols to go to a strip club. And for what? To get chicken wings. Now, look, I'm a Christian, and, and you can keep listening. When, when I say Christian, I hope I didn't turn you off. I didn't vote for Trump, and I don't hate homosexuals, and I've never been to a strip club. Now, I do know that in the Bible that Rahab was a prostitute and that Hosea had to, in fact, marry a prostitute. And throughout Jesus' ministry, he assisted prostitutes. Now, that's not an endorsement of the profession or not to say, hey, let's go to a strip club. No, it's just an observation. But here's my point. Why is it that I hear people raving about the wings at a strip club or the wings at Hooters? Now, when I think of wings, I think Wingstop, I think Buffalo Wild Wings, I think Domino's. And maybe that's a little bit lowbrow, but let's pause for a second. Maybe it's not about the wings or the strippers. Think about this. Maybe it's about the chef. Now, could you imagine the chef at the strip club? I mean, if they're making fabulous wings at a strip club, there's got to be a, a powerful chef. I'm talking Bobby Flay level chef at the strip club, making wings. Maybe it's an Emeril Lagasse in the making at the strip club. Maybe it's a Julia Child at the strip club making wings. And, and this could be a secret career path. I mean, if you want to be a Michelin chef one day, you could make wings at a strip club. Imagine, I mean, it's got to work out for you because you can work your way to the top of the food chain. Think about this. You could have an NBA player or, or a husband from the Real Housewives of Atlanta Maybe they, 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 they hit the picture of your wings on Instagram, on Facebook. They put it up. There's your wings. You're the chef. And boom, you're out of the strip club and you're on your way to Vegas. You're on your way to some five-star Michelin restaurant in Barcelona. And you can say you got your start at the strip club. Now, speaking of social media, good God, it looks like everybody has lost their minds on social media. I mean, they lost their minds. They're fighting. Now, I mean, I'm a reader. Now, I'm, I lurk on Facebook. But I mean, I wonder if people who are fighting all the time on Facebook, are they a professional Facebooker? I mean, by the way, they argue on Facebook. It's all the time, every day. The election, guns, socialism, the LGBT community, abortion, Mr. Potato Head, Pepe Le Pew. Now, look, I don't want to give anybody anything to fight about. But something to think about. Think about this. We all go number one. Or we go number two. Now, if you don't know what I mean by that, number one means, well, it means that you urinate or you pee. And number two means, well, you defecate or you poop. Now, allegedly, where did number one and number two originate from? Well, I did a Google search and you can find many disagreements over the origins of number one and number two. But one that I really liked was that back in the 50s, students would raise their hands to go to the bathroom and they would put up a number one or a number two and the teacher would let them go. Now, first, I was a classroom teacher for many years and I never really particularly cared if a student went number one or number two. I would just tell them to go pick up the bathroom pass that I had and they'd go to the bathroom and do whatever they wanted when they got there. It was none of my business. I wondered why anybody would think they wanted to know if a kid was going to go number one or number two. But here's what I think. 
there are several types of people. Now, everybody does number one at work, but not everybody does number two at work. I can't do number two at work. I just can't. There's something about it, right? The small space, the length, the smell. Doesn't it feel rude to go number two at work? I mean, some people have no problem doing number two at work. I do. I have a big problem with going number two at work. So whenever I feel like an oddball, I mean, there's got to be something wrong with me. It's just number two. It's the bathroom. It's work. But no, I can't do it. I can't mentally put myself into a space where I can go number two at work. But I know that there's people out there. There has to be people out there. And yes, I go on Google. I type in, don't want to go number two at work. And there's lots of people. There's a lot of people out there who don't like going number two at work. I feel like I have a community. Now, these people on these pages have all these stealth ways of how they don't go number two at work. Now, for me, I try my best to make it through an entire work day without having to go number two at work. But when it happens, I have to find somewhere else to go. I just cannot do it. Okay, I can run across the street to Starbucks or I can hold it and pray that it goes away. Now, it's, it's really easy, like at a Starbucks, like there's nobody you can go in, you can go out, the people don't know you. If there's somebody at the door, they go in and they smell it and, and they don't know you, right? They don't know you at all. But in a place of business, everybody knows you. So when you walk out of the bathroom and there's your coworker and they're looking at you and you're looking at them, I can't handle that. I can't handle that embarrassment. I can't handle the fact that somebody could be thinking to me, oh my God, he stunk up the place. The shame and the embarrassment is too much for me to bear. So I don't go number two at work. I can't handle it. It might be some trauma that was induced at childhood. I don't know where it comes from, but I cannot do it. I couldn't do it in school either. I couldn't go number two at school. I had to wait until I got home. So what is it? Are you a number two? Are you, are you a number two at work? Or are you a number two at not at work? And we can get that trending on Facebook, right? We can get that trending on Instagram. Or perhaps our bodily functions can help us in some way, shape, or form find some sort of unity. All righty, that was Stephen Thompson. That was my attempted comedy. Hey, I'm going to leave you with this. Go listen to the happy birthday song by Stevie Wonder. And if you're going to put anything on Facebook tonight, are you a number one at work? Well, everybody's a number one at work. Are you a number two at work? Are you a not a number two at work? This is Stephen Thompson. I'll see you next time. Stephen Thompson Experience. Love you. Have a great one. Bye-bye.